0: Well, when you connect with human souls, readers turn into fans and friends, and that's when consistent income begins. That and so much more. But how do writers connect with readers? That is the question this podcast aims to answer. My name is Kristen Spencer, and this is the Expensive Words Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about writing a villain. And... I know that we spend a lot of effort and um, time planning our protagonist, but we have to understand that there needs to be a complexity in the thing that our protagonist is going up against. And I know that when it comes to writing a villain, that might feel like a stretch for some of us, because when you want to write a convincing villain, you basically have to act as a villain, you have to think like a villain. And you have to kind of get inside their heads. Uh, And so some of us might not be willing to do that or uh, (laughs) willing to admit that we do that. I mean, I'm the first person who is willing to admit that I have been the villain in real life. I have been the one that made bad choices that hurt other people. And so when I'm writing a villain... Uh, I draw on that experience of thinking that I was doing the right thing, even though I was doing a horrible thing. Uh, And so that aspect has come up in my memoir project that I'm working on, which basically covers from sixth grade through my uh, junior year of college. And I graduated early. So it's basically from the beginning of junior high to the end of my uh, college education and it's about how I was the villain in my own story, and I I had to learn that that's what I was. Um, and this helps add depth, because if you're looking at things from the villain's perspective, then you have to see that they think that they're right, or also what motivates them. Why would they be doing the things that they're doing? They're an integral part of the story, and sometimes, you know, we... As writers, we don't want to think about that because we're so busy uh, rooting for the protagonist, which is good, and that's what we should do, and we should try to get other people to do it. But if we want to give our protagonist something to truly uh, rise up against, then we also have to add depth to our villain. And we need to understand that, you know, the villain is complicated. They, uh, One thing you can do to make your villain three-dimensional is to give them a really sad and compelling back back backstory. And in order to have these well-rounded antagonists, we need to think through that. Uh, One of the examples that I want to give today is uh, the Disney film Meet the Robinsons, which is basically one of my favorite animated films If you've noticed a theme with me, I keep bringing up animated films. I love them. I'm a sucker for a great um, animated feature-length film. And Meet the Robinsons is one of those sleeper movies that I feel like a lot of people don't know a lot about it. Wilbur Robinson is the time traveler in this movie, and Lewis is the protagonist. And there's this guy called the Bowler Hat Guy who Lewis... Keep seeing and the bowler hat guy is the he's the antagonist and or he's one of the antagonists, I should say because uh in this story, we get not only one but two antagonists, and they both have a very interesting, mysterious type of backstory. And if you haven't seen this film, once again, I'm going to give the obligatory spoiler warning. If you don't know what's going to happen in this story, just go ahead and pause this podcast and go watch it. Uh, I'm not sure what streaming it's available on right now. I would assume uh, maybe Disney Plus or Netflix. Anyways, I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Or you can be old school like me and buy the DVD so you never have to use a streaming service to rent it. I have pretty much all of my favorite movies on DVD. And I go to garage sales and I buy more of them for a dollar. I just got uh, Penelope and America's Sweethearts um, for a dollar each. I'm kind of one of those shameless uh, bargain shoppers. I was raised that way. I am, like I said, unashamed. Uh, and I sometimes have to remember that People don't care how much I paid for things, but, you know, I, so I I have a physical DVD collection. If that makes me old to you, then, you know, I'm okay with that. I'm fine. I'm going to be 37 this year. And the fact that I still love using DVDs, I think reflects on the fact that DVDs came out in my lifetime and... Sometimes I don't want to have to watch ads. I don't want to have to use my email or my money to get something. And I just want to pop my DVD in and be happy. Okay, that was a really long and unplanned promotion for why it's okay that I have physical DVDs. Uh, I kind of apologize about it, but let's get back to Meet the Robinsons. And as I said, spoiler warning, so you've been warned. Okay, I want you to understand that Meet the Robinsons is also a time travel story. I'm, I don't know what's going on with me. I can't help myself, I guess. Uh, and so, you know, I've been talking a lot about time travel stories. I'm writing a time travel story. This is one of the big passions in my life as far as storytelling. But in this story, we have two antagonists, and we have the protagonist, Lewis, and he's an orphan. And the thing is, We're not really sure why he's an orphan, and we don't actually get to find out why, but at some point, Lewis realizes that, you know, he has a family. He has the family he was meant to be with, which is a really strong theme for a story. Uh, Full disclosure, I literally sob every time I see Meet the Robinsons. I'm going to try not to sob while I'm talking about it because that would be counterproductive for this podcast. But so Lewis is in an orphanage, and he has this roommate whose name is Goob, uh, because his last name has Goob in it. I think it's like Mike Yagooblian or something like that. And um, so he has this roommate, and about halfway through the film, or like two-thirds of the way through the film, we find out that one of the antagonists is actually Goob. And he got mad because Lewis messed up a chance for him to get assigned to a family. And he's been bitter and he's been plotting against Lewis this whole time, even though in the meantime, Lewis has been inventing all kinds of things. And uh, he's basically changed the world within the confines of his adoptive family. And so Goob goes back in time to keep Lewis from getting adopted which is really a messed up, it's really a messed up thing. Uh, and and there's another antagonist that's kind of pulling the strings behind Goob, and it's Doris, and Doris is a robotic hat that uh, was made to, like, help men tie their bow tie and, like, shave and stuff, but she became sentient, and then she tried to kill this guy. I mean, that that's implied, they don't state it, but they show that she's, like, going to slice him with this... Blade, and so she gets retired and then eventually she wakes up and she figures out that she can use the new technology that lewis has created to go back and get goob and use him as her hands because she doesn't have hands and as her person to represent her uh at a different invention based company and so she's pulling all the strings and you realize that at some point like goob's reasons for wanting to hurt Lewis or prevent him from being adopted aren't that great, right? So like basically what happened was is Lewis accidentally ruined Goob's chance for this one family and then he got bitter and angry and he scared away all his other potential families and he blows it for himself because of his bitterness and then he grows into this I'm going to say really ugly, creepy old dude and But the thing is, you know, and Lewis even tells him this at some point when he realizes what's going on, uh, Goob made a bad choice. And it's not that compelling of a story, uh, of a backstory for him as an antagonist. And I think that's why in that story they needed multiple antagonists, because that's not a good enough reason uh, for him to ruin someone else's life he's like well you ruined my life so i'm gonna ruin yours i know that we can do better than that and i know that our villains can be better than that so i'm going to give you a preview of what you will find in my memoir piece and the (laughs) the thing is i'm both the protagonist and the antagonist in that story because i'm i was my own worst enemy and the thing that I kept doing is I had a really dysfunctional um, family experience growing up, and I, I'm i not going to get specific about that, but uh, I basically didn't feel that I had a reliable male figure in my life. You know, I've, I've talked to my dad about this. He knows. It's nothing new. Uh, but I decided that I was going to try to fix that by getting into... Romantic relationships. And basically, what I would do, and this is so horrible, and don't do this, don't do what I did, is I would date someone. And then when someone else came along that made me feel more loved and appreciated, I would just break up with that person and start dating the other person immediately. Even to the point where, like, I found out that this guy that I had liked for years liked me back. Maybe, I'm still not 100% sure that that was real. My friend told me this. And so I broke up with my long-term boyfriend just to have like a chance to go out with this guy which was super messed up really messed up and I kept doing things like that and I got a really bad reputation at my high school for being you know kind of a a B word is what I was called more specifically and looking back I'm like you know that wasn't that wasn't totally unwarranted. Uh, I behaved extremely poorly. I was a jerk and I was inconsiderate of these guys' feelings. Uh, I retrospectively, I didn't really even understand how they could like me. Like when they would say that they cared about me, I actually didn't really believe them, and that that's not fair either. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, real life. It's complicated, and you need those complicated issues in your story. You need a villain who believes that they're doing the right thing, and that's how you can make your protagonist stand out even more. And you know, it's really good to try to create those conflicting emotions in the reader. I mean, you know how you want them to feel, but you don't want it to be so easy where it's like, okay, the protagonist beats the bad guy and every every feeling is resolved, you kind of want it to be like, okay, well, you know, they've defeated the antagonist, they've defeated the villain, but is there some way that I can redeem this villain or give some kind of satisfaction to the reader about how the villain is going to end up and also show that, hey, my protagonist is bummed out about this. They're not excited that another human life, if the if the villain's human, is trashed. Because that's, we don't really like protagonists who are like, yes, the villain who is completely one-dimensional has been vanquished. Uh, they're gonna get lit on fire at noon and I'm happy about it. That doesn't really sound like a protagonist I can get behind. Uh, I do know that sometimes Readers are like, yes, we want to feel righteous, indig- righteous indignation, uh, and they want everything to be super black and white. But eh, I don't know. I feel like that kind of stuff is boring. I don't want. I don't want that in the story. I want my story to be complicated because real life is complicated. And I find that when I write more complicated issues, that the readers are way more behind me than if I try to polarize everything. Uh, and sometimes, you know, I can't help but <laughs> but offend people and uh, seem polarizing, even though I'm trying my best to listen to what other people have to say. Uh, I'm constantly reading about history and learning new things, and I want to confront those issues that I'm learning about. And to some people, that makes me extremely polarizing, but I'm trying to understand that real life is complicated and history is complicated and that's why when we have a story with a protagonist who is imperfect because a perfect protagonist would be super boring uh, then we have to make concessions for these complications and the fact that there's no person that's pure evil and there's no person that's pure good and maybe as a writer you're disappointed. <laughs> to have to understand this, but think about your own life. Even the people that have let you down, uh, is it because they're pure evil? I would I would guess no. And uh, I wanted to bring up Educated, which I think I'm gonna do the next episode as a review on that, uh, or maybe, it, you know, like two or three episodes away, but Educated by Tara Westover is not a fictional portrayal of anything. It's a memoir of this woman's life. And as I was reading it, I felt like, dang, this book is all expensive words. She spent herself completely to be able to share this story with me and, you know, uh, millions of other people. This is like a perennial bestseller, and I can totally understand why. Um, But the thing is, when you're reading it, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't read any more of this, but I can't stop reading either. And for me, uh, you know, her father is a complicated antagonist and I know I said that it was nonfiction, and it is but it's just a proof that life is complicated and even the person who abused her or let her get abused by her brother that's part of the story uh if he was all evil the story her, her life story, her real story wouldn't be as effective. But because she's also looking at it as, well, he was my dad and he, he thought he was doing the best thing for us, that makes it so uh, three-dimensional, four-dimensional, however many dimensions you want to say. For me, it created that depth and that real quality that actually let me feel like I was entering into her life with her. And I don't know what bigger success you could have as a memoir writer, uh, because that's the that's the thing we want, right? The reason we write about our own lives is because of shared experience. And if her father was portrayed as a very one-dimensional, totally purely evil kind of person, then it wouldn't be the same. And it, I just don't think that it would be a perennial bestseller if she had done that. And the reason that I love reading what she wrote is because she's trying; she's genuinely trying to understand other people and how they function and why they make the choices that they make and how she can make more informed choices. Because when you've been systematically abused, you feel like you don't have a choice. And in Educated, we get to experience uh, Tara Westover's transition from not feeling that she had a voice or any agency to understanding that, yes, she has a voice and she has agency, but these are the things she's going to have to sacrifice if she wants to act upon that agency. Uh, And agency is the concept that you feel like you can make choices and, uh, you know, affect your own world and interact with it uh, in a free way. And, we all have different a different amount of agency. And her agency had basically been taken away by her father and then at some point her mother as well. And if you haven't read Educated, I encourage you to read it. I know I'm always encouraging you to watch things and read things, but that's how we grow as creative beings and as artists is we take other creative things, uh, in this example, film and books, and we shove them in our brains, and then we process them, we can think in a more open way about art and about our own art. And if you ever are thinking about writing a memoir piece, I would say definitely read Educated before you do that. And also just if you want to read something that is beyond prolific as far as writing, read it because I was completely blown away. I finished it in four days, uh, because I had I was going to a baby shower, and I had a, f- a like a day and a half of traveling and a day and a half of traveling, and I just finished it that fast um, because I was stuck on the airplane, but also because I couldn't like I was like yes I'm gonna get to nap I didn't my kids were not with me on the trip, but uh, Tara Westover completely ruined all of my plans with her amazing book, and I'm glad because. Even though some of it was a little bit uh, painful for me, and I would say it was triggering for me uh, as far as the verbal abuse, it was worth it. And I appreciate all of this expensive words she put out. And I appreciate that she didn't create her father's portrayal as some purely evil villain. Uh, And I think that if you really take the time to plan out your villain and understand why they do the things that they do, and to know why they feel that they're doing the right thing, it's going to add so much more dimension to your book and your story, and it's going to take your writing to that next level. That's the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope that next time you're approaching a villain, you think about all the whys involved. This has been Kristen on the Expensive Words podcast, pouring out my heart for you, my wonderful listener. If there's any question you want to ask me, if there's anything you want to tell me, you can go to expensivewords.com or you can find me on Instagram at kristen.n.spencer, And I would love to hear your wonderful writing thoughts from your amazing writing brain. Happy writing. writing.